0: going to be speaking about unity and uh, I'll give you the amazing title and then I hope the rest stands out as well but unity starts with you okay so you can write that down and 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 as we'll see throughout this message it really does we we're going to going to be speaking about how do we live out unity in this family of ours this this body of Jesus Christ and it might be tempting to keep thinking, oh, I wish other people are doing this. I-, I wish they would hear this message and that they would do these things and that they would actually apply this. It would make my life so much easier for me. But really, unity starts with each one of us. And so let's take, let's take this to heart and, and in a way take ownership of all these things. So you can put that first scripture on for us, and this it really is the amazing standard of unity and Jesus is praying throughout the chapter of John 17 and he's praying to the father go read the whole chapter but at one stage he he starts praying for the oneness in his people and let's read together so he, he asks God he asks the father I do not ask for these only these being his 12 disciples so he was praying for them most of this chapter but now he switches to not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. So he's really praying for all the future believers. And this is what he's praying. He's praying that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We'll go to the next one now. Uh, but what a high standard. As, as, God, as the Father is in Jesus So he's praying that they will be one, that we will be one, and also that we will be in him. So yeah, uh, let's read on and and we'll comment on that. that. So that the glory you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Being perfectly one. I'm sure when we read that, we, we're thinking, is that even possible? Is it possible for us to be one just as the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father? What a high standard he's setting for, for being one here. And as we were worshiping and we were really just saying, Lord, all we are and we'll follow you and we give our whole life to you. Without that surrender, this standard won't be possible. It will really be, it's, it's too far of a stretch just out of our own flesh with our brokenness and selfishness to even try and attain to this being perfectly one. But yeah, Jesus is praying this and he's praying it with an expectation that this will actually be the case. And here we are. Jesus prayed it. Here we are. <laughs> We're His followers. He was praying that prayer for us today in this context. If you are a believer, this prayer was for for you, and it's for us. And with God's help, it certainly is possible. So, the way we'll structure this, just because I like structure, is... (laughs) Imagine... Okay, let's just start here. So, for anything to, to be able to stand properly it needs at least three legs to stand on, right? So if you're gonna try and put uh, just maybe a, like two poles connected, they, they're gonna fall one way or the other, but as soon as you put the third leg on, uh, you, you actually get like a little, like the mic, uh, the, the speaker stand. So you, you need at least three things. I was wondering when I was thinking of this, I wonder then why we are able to stand. We've got two legs. <laughs> but then I realized, um, Actually, our feet are both structured as a little tripod, so they've got three uh, points on the, on, the, on the ground, so we, we've, we're walking on two little tripods, actually. <laughs> anyway, um, that might be a really f- a profound loophole there, or oh, just rabbit hole. Okay, so th- these three things, and, I, and I'll start with the first one. The first one is, is really a deep friendship and a deep love for one another. This is is really foundational for unity to be possible amongst us. And I want you to think of one relationship you've had in your life that has been really meaningful and significant and deep and where there's been trust. Just just think of one relationship. Maybe it's been a a friend at school. Maybe someone you worked with. um, Maybe it's someone in your family. And the reality is that for those of us who have siblings, as a general case, you would have a, p- a pretty deep <laughs> relationship with your siblings. You really do life together, uh, n- not necessarily voluntarily, but th- those are the people that you spend time <laughs> with, that you know well, that you uh, you see their best, you see them at their worst, and you maybe you eat the chocolate together from, or, you know, whatever, you, maybe we you did crazy stuff together. And so, generally, th- those are deep, meaningful relationships. And we look at those, and sometimes we go through life, and we always look back. Those, those were the good ones. You know, those were the good relationships. Those were, but where are they now in my life? And I want us to, to actually think of those and, and to know that the, that love and deeper is possible within this family as well. So, there's some scriptures about um, brothers and siblings. And we can put on, uh, I know I'm mixing these scriptures around now. Uh, so, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 10. Let's read that. So, the writer here is sort of comparing a brother and then friends. Uh, okay. So, do not forsake your friend or your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a friend who, than, a, than a brother who is far away. And what I'm trying to show you here is that the writer of these proverbs, in more than just one place, is saying, You know, that close relationship you have with a brother, there's a friendship that's possible that's even closer than being brothers and being blood family. And so. That friendship is possible. There's another scripture, I don't think I gave it, but it it essentially says there's a friend that is closer than a brother. It's also in Proverbs. And so it really just sets the scene for the closeness that we can have, the, the closeness in the friendships that we can have with one another, closer than a brother. I want us to read John chapter 13. Verse 1 to 5 together. So this is Jesus, and he's really our example of how we should live our lives. And he was together with his disciples, and it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own. And there's this word loved, and this sets the stage for what's about to happen about to happen he's been doing ministry with them for three years they are so close they've they've really done life together and he loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end just such love that's pouring out of Jesus and let's read together what he's going to do so during supper when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So we all know the story. Jesus is about to wash the, the, the feet of these disciples this is the act that he's doing for them. And let's read what he says a few scriptures later. So the story continues in verse 14. He says, he says to them, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And so he's giving them this command. He showed them, he showed the example. And he's saying, Now do this for one another. And uh, what does washing feet really mean? It can be literal. I mean really someone has dirty feet and I go to them and I'm washing their feet it but but in essence it's such a humble act that we do for one another and in a word serving one another Uh, the servant used to do that and so Jesus is, is telling his disciples to serve one another and so just a few verses later it's Sometimes we see these scriptures, they're so disconnected, but they're all in the same passage, and it actually flows. He's washing the feet. He's telling them, do this to one another. A few verses later, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So he's he's showing it, he's commanding it, and then he says, as I have loved you, you are to love one another. Now, I was thinking of uh, iselle 's story uh, about the past weekend, how she wanted to buy a coffee, everything just goes wrong in, in, in a few days, tries to tap, not, nothing it doesn't work, can't buy the coffee. And I was actually, um, the story continues, let me put it like that. So... Martley is there. I, I, I was telling Martley, just go get us both a coffee, you know. yes, 50 rand, should cover us both. And so Martley is with Isel, and Hissell can't buy the coffee, and Martley's like, I'll pay for you, but now we can't buy two coffees anymore, right? Now what do you do? <laughs> I wasn't there though. Um, I've, I've, heard, I've heard this. And so Andre is, clo- is also in the mix there. <laughs> and he sees what's going on, It's like, okay, Martley can't buy two coffees anymore, and I'm standing outside, and here comes Andre brings me a coffee, and so Martley buys for his cell. Martley can't buy two. Andre buys for Martley. I get a coffee. Everyone gets coffee. Everyone's happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a happy ending, yeah. And I only heard this later. I didn't know. Thanks, Andre. And What I just realized is love is not just a theoretical concept. Love is not just a feeling, like an abstract thing. Oh, we love. We love one another. I was thinking of that scripture, by this the world will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another, right? Just think about that for a moment. How will the world know? Are they just going to see like two Christians there at the mark, just looking at each other? Just oh, they can just see you love one another, eh? Like just look how love, how loving they are. They just, I know. I, I'm not that good at acting, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> they, would, that's not the way. What they see is acts of love. What they see is love being applied in the lives of Christians, and they go like, "That is something we don't recognize." We don't know that kind of selfless behavior towards one another. You must be the disciples of Jesus. You must be his disciples. Maybe they ask, you know, like, oh, you're moving house? Which moving company are you getting? No, it's like we, we're going to, I'm getting some friends from church that's going to yeah, Justin in moving company. It's becoming a running joke because we help one another move. I mean, I have to give credit to to Tina's uh, amongst others. Um, And when people see that, I think they can start to grasp something of, this is not normal. We don't just give our Saturdays away to help one another do life. And so love is not just this abstract thing, it's practical. And I really, really hope that each one in this family can say, not just theoretically that I'm loved, but that that we can actually point to specific things that happened and say, I'm loved in this family. Look, this this is what happened. These are things that people did for me. But then again, unity starts with you. And so that you can also say, this is how I loved other people. Not just I love them and I have a warm feeling in my heart, but we serve one another. We wash each other's feet. We, we love one another. Washing feet, um, and that was because they were walking in with sandals in sandy places. And so everyone had a need for that. What needs do we have today? Um, I haven't come up with this, but some people say the modern equivalent would be washing one another's cars, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, but it's true. (laughs) And so those are things that we can practically do to live out these commands of Jesus and to actually love one another. Uh, You know, and it's also choices that we make, right? It's, It's not just that it happens. It's not just something that happens. Anyone in a marriage will will know what it means to choose acts of love, and to choose love, and to, it's not just going to happen, if you ju- it's not just falling in love, you can just, might as well fall out of love, but it's, it's constantly choosing love. Um, it's some, yeah, like compare it with, with a quality like patience, just for a moment. Like, if we get a command to do something, that means that we actually can have a choice to do something, Right? If we say, be patient, if you're standing in a line, it's not just a feeling of, oh, I'm relaxed and patient. It's how you will act that will actually determine where you are patient or not. You can feel something, but you can, in a way, choose to act and do the, the opposite and be patient. And this is really something that, like we, like we saw already, Jesus is exampling this to us. I mean, God is love, and the way that he expressed his love to, to us is in the most practical, even explicit, and like understandable way that a human being can understand love. There's a scripture uh, in John 15, verse 12 to 15. I can't remember if I gave that or not. I did. So this is two chapters after what we read just now. It sounds exactly similar, though. So this verse says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has none than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So the heart of Jesus towards his disciples and eventually towards us as well is, includes at least friendship and deep friendship. And he says how, what, I mean, washing another person's feet or car, that is an act of love. But what he says is the, the epitome of love for one another is laying down your life for one another. And he says this without the disciples really realizing yet that this is what he's going to do. They're probably like, that's a really... That's a profound statement. Wow, that is deep love. I'm sure if if someone lays down his life for one another. But in in a few days after, they will actually see Jesus laying down his life for them. And so this is how God expresses his love towards us. Not just abstractly, but practically. I'm laying down my life for you. I'm giving my life on the cross. And I'm setting, uh, I'm making this relationship between God and humans possible through the sacrifice. Right, so, we can read Philippians 2, verse 1 to 4 together. And so Paul is writing, and he says to the church in Philippi, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, and any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Uh, Another translation says, selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So again, this is a scripture that just repeats this concept of we ought to look out for one another's interests, look out for the dirty cause. Look out and think of practical ways to serve each other. Sometimes we can actually think beforehand, how can I serve Paul? You know, how, can I, uh, how can I do this to show love to someone else? Um, sometimes it happens in the moment, like with a coffee at Bethlehem last week. Just Martley seeing, oh, here's a need. I, I can fulfill this need. Um, I don't know if it was coffee. Was it probably tea? So I don't know if you drink coffee. <laughs> Um but also uh, when when I was thinking of that, I also thought you know it's it 's such a such a, so important that we actually learn to know one another. How do I love someone you know there 's this concept of love languages, and i 'm not gonna go into that, but like how if i 'm gonna buy someone coffee and they only drink tea, maybe I should like spend time with them and like we get to know one another well, you know then we can know. This is what they like or dislike, and you'll know that, like, Paul drinks three sugars in his tea and things like that. <laughs> oh, he <it> doesn't. Okay. <laughs> well, no, he does not. He drinks zero sugars. Okay. But again, the Scripture in Philippians continues, and it, the, the, the next four verses actually shows us why this is required of us. Why this is even asked of us, what Paul just asked. And he says, have this mind among yourselves in the very next verse, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So again, Jesus is setting the example for us. He shows us what laying down his life, means. And then he says, have this mind among yourselves. Do this. Right. So just quickly want to, before we move to the second leg of this tripod for unity, let's just quickly have a a word or two about what unity is. These verses really describes it well. It says um, how we can live out love for one another and friendship, but by, by saying what unity is, I wanna jump to maybe what unity is not for a moment. So when we think of unity and love for one another, it's not just a case of keeping the peace. You know? um, peace is not necessarily, or an appearance of peace is not necessarily true peace and true unity. And so, what's so good at at prayer meeting There was the scripture shared. Now that, blessed are the peacemakers. And that word peacemaker actually suggests that there's an absence of peace, and that someone needs to come and make the peace. That's 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 very different from keeping the peace, right? Keeping the peace actually means we're looking just we 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 content with something that's not really peace. We'll just agree to disagree. We'll just leave it where it is. Uh, we don't want to stir anything. Because if we, you know, you know, if there's like sand at the bottom of a, a glass of water, sand is at the bottom. Let's, let's say that sand is a bit of impurity, right? And you start to stir that thing a bit. What happens is everything just becomes muddy. And we're sometimes afraid to... We just want to see the clear water. We just, let's just ignore the sand down there, because if we're going to stir this, it's going to become all muddy, and this is not going to look good, so let's just keep it as it is, you know? But that's not actually what's, what's required of us. We, let's stir that thing and we just pour in, like, let's, let's deal with it. <laughs> let's maybe get a sift in there or something, you know? Let's, let's get this really clean. And so unity is not based on keeping peace, but making peace. Let's keep that in mind. So that brings us to the second leg of this uh, tripod so that, so that Unity can actually stand properly. And, and that is actually uh, being willing to, to speak the truth in love, uh, to, to deal with things, to, to make peace where there is not peace, and to work towards a clean glass of water, right? To actually work towards that. So I'll tell you a quick story we were, before we came to Bloom, we were in Cape Town. We were in a in at Edge Meet, And I, I went through some very difficult things at work. I've probably told the story to many of you, and I think I've said it up here as well. But we were getting input from, from leaders at the church, and they were telling us things that we just didn't want to hear, to be honest. Really, like, this is things that you're missing. This is this. And... We were sitting them with them, not just on one occasion, but on multiple occasions, and like tr- they were trying to show us things that we, we were just like, I can't see this, I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> and it, it really brought a possibility for, like, we don't want to, I don't know if we want to work through this properly or not, you know, maybe, maybe it's easier to just ignore this and, I don't know, just step out in a way. Um, but it, it, it bore such fruit in our lives when we were able to say, we, we're willing to hear this. We're willing to, to somehow apply this in our lives and to, uh, to, to hear truth. Uh, but again, I, I want to say the first leg was real love and friendship. And so this is not just a case of we're just, we're just tuning one another. <laughs> we need to have the, that, that previous leg well in place. this to be able to to be effective so why is it let's read uh, proverbs uh, 27 verse 5 to 6 together and so keep in mind that we were just speaking about friendship right and love for one another for one another so this proverb says better is open rebuke than hidden love faithful are the wounds of a friend and profuse are the kisses of an enemy and sometimes we can read that scripture and go like, you see, we are supposed to just rebuke one another. We, we're supposed to really, uh, what's that, to wound one another. I mean, that says, faithful, the wounds, you know. But we need to remember of a friend. And so let's keep that heart towards one another as we do life together and as we stir the cups with one another. Let's be friends first. We are really friends. We, we have love for one another. We're willing to lay down our lives for one another. Willing to wash each other's feet in cars. and cars. But, but still, the, the scripture is there to, to show us that it's also necessary. It's a part of friendship and of deep love for one another. To be able to speak into one another's lives. There's another scripture that says, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. So the reality is without this leg of the tripod we won't be able to be sharpened. We'll actually just remain as we, as we are. We'll uh, keep running around the same mountains. Uh, we'll, we'll keep our blind spots uh, and we won't actually be sharpened. And uh, I think that's, uh, that's exactly the place where the enemy would want to keep us. But don't be sharpened. Sharpening also means that there's a bit of clashing you know I mean sharpening an iron would always include a bit of clashing however that's a necessary part of growing up into this mature body of Christ that he wants us to be there's also another scripture 1 John 1 verse 7 so we can put that up I don't know if I yeah I did yeah I gave him eh? but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin of course we desire fellowship with one another, right? We want to have true fellowship, not just a shallow fellowship, not just peacekeeping, but peacemaking. And what it requires is actually walking in the light. We know that Jesus is the light, uh, but another way to, to, to view light is actually for things to be in the light and for things to not be hidden. And so there's an encouragement for us to unhide things, to, to, to reveal things to one another, and to, to speak about things. Um, so this is, this is such an important aspect of, uh, of, of working towards unity, actually. So I've already told you the story uh, about us f- moving from Edgemead in Cape Town to Bloemfontein. And I want to comment then on the third like, leg of this table, the first one being real friendship and love, the second one being that we are willing to, to stir the cup, to, to work towards real clean water, peace, not just peacekeeping. And the third one is, is actually to, to be willing to, to stick it out in a way and to be, to be willing to, to deal with these things with an attitude of, this is where God has placed me. This is my family. And we are willing to, uh, t- to, to stick it out when things get rough. And I, and I, was, I was thinking of, you know, where, where Peter opposes Paul in the Bible. And so Paul is busy. Peter was not opposing Paul. Paul was opposing Peter. Thanks. So what happened was, I'll tell, tell you the story quickly. Peter was eating, he was happy to eat meat. He was happy to eat pork uh, because God had showed him this amazing vision of the tablecloth. And God was saying to him in this vision, don't declare anything unclean that I've declared clean. And he was, he was in a deep way, convincing Peter to, to actually uh, to, that, that the gospel is actually meant for the Gentiles as well and that the Jewish practices are not supposed to be limiting in any way and yet in one case peter was, try, was was actually hiding from the pharisees by saying i'm not eating pork i'm not uh, doing these jewish practices anymore also i'm only doing these jewish practices in, uh, when the pharisees are around and paul was saying this is this is not the true gospel and you're actually being a hypocrite by doing that and i want you to see the the attitude of Peter in this scenario. We, we don't read much about how he responded, but we know that he stuck it out. <laughs> we know that he didn't say, you know what, I, I think I'll, maybe I'll go to the No Pork church or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so we really need to, and, and I think an, another reason for this is, we need to remember in those times, when we think of church today, we think of, okay, this is a group of believers, that's a group of believers. There are so many churches around that That was not actually the case in the early church. When they were saying this is the church of Philippi, that was the only church in Philippi. No, that was, if if you were Christian, that actually meant that if you come from a Gentile background, you are not worshiping idols anymore. You are actually, in a way, being persecuted from your background because you're believing in this Jew, Jesus, who was crucified on the Roman cross, which is a very serious penalty, And you believe that he was actually raised from the dead as well. Likewise, when you were a Jew, you were actually believing in this person who said, you know, I'm the son of God. And he was actually persecuted for being blasphemous and saying, I'm God. Um, And so it was a serious thing to be part of the church. And it was serious to be excluded from church in any way. And so today, though, it's a different case. with different interpretations of scriptures. And uh, if, if something happens, it, the cost is quite low to, to move out of that into something else. Uh, but we need to remember uh, that true unity actually involves both deep friendship and also stirring the water at times and being able to say, I want to look more like Jesus, so I'm willing to, to be where he wants me to be. And I'm willing to actually lay down my whole life, uh, like we said in worship now as well, to, to follow him. Even, even if it means hearing what I need to hear. Um, there's this other example of the disciples of Jesus really sticking with him. And it's from John 6, verse 68. So we can read that together. Oh, I said, okay. So the scripture is actually verse 68. That was a... <laughs> not 6 to 8, but I, I, I can see it. But I've got it here. I'll read it to you. So basically, Jesus was, was giving some some teachings to his disciples, not just his 12 disciples, but all of his disciples that were hard to hear. Um, I went to read the, read the context, and it was actually about him saying, I'm the bread of life. He was giving them some teaching that were quite New and and saying i'm the son of god and i'm what you if you eat of me you won't be hungry anymore and the people said this is such a hard teaching to hear and some got offended and walked away and he he turns to his disciples and he asks "Uh, are are you going to go as well and peter stands up and, and he says lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life and this is an attitude that we're also called to have to actually say lord you have the words of eternal life where shall we go we're staying. We're staying. And now there's this concept uh, that I've read about uh, called grit. And it, it basically consists of two things. The one is passion and the one is perseverance. And when those two things are combined, they call it you know, grit. Okay? And it's this ability to have something that you're passionate about, but then also to stick even if there's like a plateau in growth, even if there's uh, obstacles that you are uncomfortable with and they both need it. If there's just passion and you're like super passionate about something, you're excited, but, they, but you lack the, the, the characteristic of perseverance, you might just jump from one thing to the other uh, without perseverance being there. It's so necessary for true growth. And likewise, if you have like perseverance and you're like, okay, I'll just, stick with it, but there's no real passion, and you're not really, like, giving of yourself towards something, Uh, it's a bit like just staying there, but nothing, you know, the growth won't happen as well, because you're just, you're not giving yourself fully, and so both those two things are are necessary to, uh, to live this life in unity with God's family, um, and with brothers and sisters, and to say, I'm passionate about God's house, I'm passionate about it. I'm giving myself. But it's not, just, it's not just momentarily. It's not just for a short while. And until the first obstacle leads. But actually that we're willing to push through it to shape one another. And to, to, to grow into true unity that Jesus wants us to have. Now I think sometimes the responsibility for this unity is also quite, quite great. Because the world is watching. And that's the reality. The world is watching. And they want to see what true Christianity is. They want to see who are the true believers. And so they're watching for unity. I was thinking if, let's say, I walk into a company or I'm walking into, uh, let's say, a supermarket. And I can see everyone fighting with one another, you know. I can see there's just total disunity in the shop. Uh, the manager is tuning, you know, someone at the toll and this i'll probably just be, i'll just go to the next one you guys sort it out I'll, you know but if people look at the church they, they need to see true unity that will be attractive that will show them this is truly the disciples of jesus this is truly where jesus is this is his body so i want to encourage us to to fight for unity in a sense to to be peacemakers and not just peacekeepers But first of all, to love one another deeply as Jesus loved us. And to to say, Lord, we're willing to lay down our lives for one another. We're willing to to wash one another's feet, to to put others above ourselves, and to put the needs of others uh, before our own.